Hey everybody, it's Sathya Sam here and welcome to the New Man Podcast. Guys, I am really excited to share this interview with you today. This is with a guy named Rob Kowalski. He is the author of Why Waiting Works and a workbook called The Truth About Sex. And he's also the founder of a not-for-profit called The City Fam. And we kind of get into all the details, but he is um, just an incredible guy. His, he's called, or the self-proclaimed, uh, reformed bad boy. And, you, you know, I remember the first time I read that, I'm like, what does that even mean? And then you hear his story and you're like, oh, that's what he means. This guy was the most sought-after stripper in Baltimore. Um, he had a, a raving career. Um, his mom gave birth to him when she was 15 years old. He didn't grow up with a dad around. Um, just complete broken home and kind of manifested as he got into his adult years. He met Jesus radically and we kind of get into that in the podcast interview and then chose to, you know, not have sex and to not engage in a lot of the behaviors that he was accustomed to and that he was doing for a living. And um, and then he backslid. And out of his backslide, he he learned uh, just about the importance of having community, social engagement. And so that's why he started the City Fam. And as I mentioned, we'll get into all of that. But it's just, it's a remarkable story. He comes from a, a very different angle. And um, I just think you're really going to enjoy the interview. So I uh, highly encourage you to, to listen to this one. Uh, I will mention that um, he does use a little bit cruder language, uh, nothing terrible, um, but a little bit, uh, he's a little bit more, um, yeah, he uses just a little bit more colorful language than the average guest. So uh, just bear that in mind, depending on your listening preferences and environment. Uh, but without further ado, this is Rob Kowalski. Enjoy. Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. Awesome. Well, I'm here with Rob Kowalski, author of Why Waiting Works, founder of The City Fam. Rob, nice to have you here, man. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we don't have tons of time together, so I just want to jump right to it. I hope you don't mind me cutting to the chase. Um, you are, so you're the author of this book, Why Waiting Works. Um, you're not the kind of guy who just has some good ideas. You're living it out. Still a single man. Um, yep. So we're going to jump into all of that, but there's a huge backstory to what got you onto the subject in the first place. Um, can you give us just a, a little bit of a synopsis of your wild testimony that's brought you here? Yeah, love it. Thank you. Uh, so I was raised, my mom was uh, got pregnant with me at the age of 14. My dad was never in the same state or paid child support, so I really didn't have a, a male role model. So from the time I was about 14 years old, my dream in life was to become a male stripper. I found a videotape of my mom had run out of some Chippendales. And I remember thinking like, wow, what better job can there be than that? You wow. know, I was probably very insecure as we're looking back as we moved around, we were super poor. And I just felt like that would validate me to be a man if I was good with girls. So from the time of 19 years old, I started stripping and started working for an entertainment agency in Baltimore. I kind of worked my way up the ranks. I started working for all the entertainment agencies. I was working with a review. I was in the phone book. I was like the, I was like the guy in Baltimore. I was the most sought after stripper in Baltimore for a while. I was having a lot of sex. I was uh, making what I thought was a lot of money. It seemed like it seemed like a lot of money at the time, and uh, I was very popular. But I, and I honestly, I kind of liked being me. I thought I had everything in life that I'd ever wanted. But my relationships were always crap. Like I would get in these relationships with girls. 
and they would always start with sex, you know, having sex quickly. And then either I would immediately lose interest when I ejaculated, which happened a lot, or I would drift into a relationship with some of them because we would continue sleeping together. But then I'd, I'd be, I'd be in this relationship, but it was never really that great. It was like, kind of like, I felt like I was kind of trapped in it. I was looking over my shoulder at other women, wondering if I could be happier with them. And then eventually, and this happened a few times. And then I started wondering, well, maybe I'm not the kind of guy that can fall in love or maybe human beings aren't supposed to be monogamous or all this other stuff that <laughs> you know, goes through your head. And when I was 27 years old, I had this radical, uh, I, I basically met Jesus. I, I had, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was a road to Damascus uh, event where I was not looking for God or no one touched me. I didn't go to church, but he just called me. And, can you expand uh, on that a little bit? Yeah. I was how in did it happen? I was in Cancun, Mexico with a bunch of friends partying like rock stars, you know, girls, drugs, everything. And then I went to bed and I was, I like being me. People think that I'm like, this was not something I imagined. I went down to the pool. I, I, I slept because everybody was partying in my room, naked girls in the bathtub. It was just a crazy, this is how I live. And I went to the pool. I, I slept. I came back to the room and I heard a voice in my head. And it, it asked me, I looked at my girlfriend sleeping in bed and it said, are and I, I'd asked myself this question probably a thousand times. I didn't realize I was doing it until this day, but I heard this voice say, are you in love with her? And every other time I would go, well, one day you'll grow to love her, blah, blah. It was all the same song and dance. And I would kind of let myself off the hook. And this day I heard, no, I was like, where did that come from? I remember thinking, where to ask did that come from? That's what I thought to myself. And God started basically telling me, he told, this is how it started. This is how I got actually, you know, got on this platform of abstinence because this wasn't my idea to do this. This was Jesus's idea. He told me about this girl that lived in California that used to live in Baltimore. And he basically said, this is your person. And I was, and I didn't even believe in love up until then, but somehow it was like a key in a lock. And I just knew, and I didn't realize it was God yet. I just thought I had this crazy epiphany. And I, uh, I actually went down to the payphone because it was just I was in Cancun, Mexico, and I didn't have I don't even know if I had a cell phone. I think I did. I tried to call her, left a message on her voicemail or something. Came back to my room, and that's when so God. Then I started prophesying. I, I know this sounds weird, but I started God started telling me things about future events, about the world, things that were going to happen in the world, things wow. about second about the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, freaked me out. Like I didn't even know God was real the day before, but He started. Like you don't even with, know about the first coming and you're talking about the yeah. second. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I wondered, I had a little exposure to Christianity as a kid. So I'd, you know, I'd see people praying and I wondered if it was real, but I never felt them myself. So I wasn't about to give my life to something I wasn't sure about. Sure. So on the, but yeah, so now I'm prophesying and just really crazy experience. That's why I said it's a lot, a lot like road to Damascus because Paul ended up blind for a few days. So, <laughs> um, I just flew home and, and, uh, and just was like trying to figure out what I was my next move was. I quit stripping from this moment. I never, I didn't strip anymore. I quit promoting. I, that's the moment I stopped having sex. I broke up with my girlfriend at the time who I'd been cheating on and uh, was abstinent for the next six years. And uh, I didn't, didn't know it was going to work out that way. I thought God tells me about this girl. I'm like, okay, I'm going to marry her. And, you know, we're going to go off into the sunset like next week or something. And, right. uh, and I remember thinking to God, I was like, I, I prayed, actually. I said, God, I'm going to wait for this girl, but you better hurry up because, you know, I can't wait long when it comes to the sex. <laughs> and little did I know he was going to make me. I mean, so so honestly, I'm 21 years later. I've still never been with that girl. Okay. Uh, but six years I was 
waiting for her and I was abstinent. And um, if it wasn't for me, him telling me about a specific person after he revealed himself to me, I would have tried to wait, but I wouldn't have, I would have dated out of loneliness because I got lonely pretty quickly. Hmm. And I would have, I would have had sex because that was the only, I didn't have any strength in that area. There was no muscle to build up to resist a girl coming on to me. So nice. I would have, uh, or vice versa. So I would have, I would surely have had sex and I would have never understood the magnitude of the problems that I now understand. Number one, when it comes to, uh, sexual purity and number two, the need for community to self-actualize, it all came from him telling me about a person because I wouldn't have done it. I would have tried, but I know I wouldn't have made it. So yeah. I, because I was waiting for a specific person that lived 3000 miles away, I couldn't take matters into my own hands. <laughs> which would, I would have got on some kind of dating site or something. Or I just would have gone out and looked for a Christian girl at church and dated her and then had sex with her. And I would have been like most other Christians, which are sexually active at this point in the world. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of single Christians out having sex right now. So, so that's kind of how it all transpired. But over those six years, I mean, and I remember when I first started down this path, I thought the idea of waiting to have sex was a ridiculous idea. I remember like, that why is it wrong? I was like, sex to me was like a massage. Two people making each other feel good. Why would we wait? If a girl told me she wanted to wait, I thought she was being manipulative and she was just trying to, you know, get me into a relationship. And um, <laughs> after six years of doing it, I started to understand it. But then what happened was because I had isolated myself uh, for you know six years, basically, I went to a lot of movies while I waited for this girl to come along on the weekends. I didn't know how to even live. Um, I, I, I inadvertently backslid, returned to some of my bad behavior, became sexually active again, rededicated a few years later, which I recommitted myself to purity. This was 10 years ago. And then I really understood it somewhere along the line of, you know, being one way and then the other and then going back and then back again, somewhere along the way, I really got it. And that's why I made that 10. I don't know if you ever saw the 10 reasons video on YouTube, but it went viral and it became like the number one video in the world on the subject of, uh, sexual purity. I think it's got like 1.8 million views now. Wow. And it, and I didn't even try to explain it from a biblical standpoint. I'm like, I'm just gonna break it down for you practically how it's going to work out. And I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. So yeah. I'm super passionate about it because it, it caused me a lot of pain and wasted time, not understanding the concept. And I see it happening for people all the time because they just don't get it. They probably think like I do, like, well, you know, why would we wait? Marriage is stupid. Like why it's a man-made institution or whatever it is. They try to reason with themselves. But it is the way, whether you like it or not. And I'm, I love to tell people why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, it's an amazing story. I mean, it's so inspiring. And um, I think a lot of people who get into this kind of porn recovery or abstinence kind of space have very different backgrounds. Most of us can't say that we were, you know, like sought after strippers in our respective hometown. You, you could do it, man. I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. But you <laughs> I, I think I'm honored. I'm not sure how to feel about that, but thank you. But no, it's um, it's amazing, man. So it's a really cool story. Let's. I mean, we'll we'll link to the video in the show notes. But can you just give us some of your top reasons, like why does waiting work? Maybe apart from like the Bible says so, and you know sure. some of those more cliche answers. Love it. I mean, I always start off with the numbers because that the numbers don't lie. People could think I'm full of crap, but the the 97 of the population doesn't wait to have sex. The divorce rate's 50%. I mean, if that's not telling enough, I don't know what is. The question I always ask, though, if, if what a percentage of the other 50% is happy, the percentage that stays together, what percentage of them are happy? Because I don't think it's as high as people think. 
I think it's probably actually pretty low. I think people stay together for the wrong reasons, like the kids or finances, or just because they get a soul tie, which is basically like that oxytocin release during sex. It's like glue. I mean, and I was in this with my first girlfriend. We had sex on the first date. I spent five years with her. I was not in love. I was trapped in something and I couldn't get out of it. I wanted other women, but I was, I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I felt like I owed it to her to be in the relationship because she had put up with so much of my shit. And I stayed in something. So, and this is what happens all the time. It's called the sex trap where as a, from a man's perspective, if a woman's ready to give you sex, willing to give you sex, even without the, uh, the promise of a commitment, it's very hard to say no to, because you're like, why would I say no to this? Like, this is like free money, you know? (laughs) So, but what happens is you take it and then what, one of two things typically happen. You, you lose interest after the sex. Like I, I, I did most of the time, or you continue sleeping with them and you potentially get to the point where you can't play the non-committal game any longer. She's crying and upset. And, and then you're kind of in love with the idea of her, but then you start feeling obligated to her. Hmm. Like you owe it to her. And then you make her your girlfriend and now you're in the sex trap. And this is what happens to people. And then you don't want nobody else to sleep with her, even though you might not want her only, you don't want anyone else to sleep with her. So right. now, and, so now you're stuck and the, and people spend sometimes their whole lives with the wrong person because they took the bait. So there's one reason. The second reason, and this is just like, I know it sounds very um, extreme to say, wait to have sex until marriage. I get it. It would have sounded crazy to me back in the day. But if I said to some people or even most people, I said, what about no sex before love? Does that sound a little bit more understandable? Most people go, yeah, I can get, I can get my head around that. So imagine if you were dating the girl and you said, hey, I love you, Betty. Let's have sex. And she said, sure, I love you too. How do I pronounce your name? Sathia. Sathia. Okay. I love you too, Sathia. Let's just run to the justice of the peace real quick and get married. You'd be like, let me think about this a little bit longer, right? Right. You'd be like, damn, because that's a whole different conversation because you know that divorce is going to be painful to get, you know, it's going to be a painful experience. So you're going to think real hard about, do I, is she really what I want or, or am I just horny? Or maybe I'm just lonely, or maybe my heart's lying to me, which was what the Bible says, the heart's deceitful above all else. So Mm -hmm. when you introduce marriage into the conversation, it changes the game. Like I'm, I'm surrounded by beautiful women because of the organization I started now, good Christian girls, very pretty. And I'll go, and some, I would have slept with a lot of them back in the day, but now I ask myself, would you sign the marriage contract to sleep with her? I go, Mm. no, I won't. But one day a girl will come along and I'll ask myself that question and I'll go, yeah, I will. And I'll have yeah. a big smile on my face. And that's how I'll know she's my person. So that's the, that's the point of waiting is because you're going to figure out what you want most and not just what you want right now. Because what you want right now is got, not going to satisfy you later. And th- again, yeah. this is why the divorce rate's so high and why if you go about it the way the 97% does, the, the odds of you being happily married are stacked against you, period, based off the numbers. And no one can dispute that. Right. Whereas people that marry as virgins have a 6% divorce rate. Wow. I've never heard Nine, that. 94% of the time they stay married. Now, look, I'm not saying that if you've, if you've already had sex that it's too late for you because I don't believe it is because I'm doing this and I know that it works. It just happens to be the really hard way. And the other, and the other thing about it is, is sex transmutation. It's a great principle in Think and Grow Rich. I talk about it in My Waiting Works, the book. And it's basically like, look, sexual energy is the strongest form of all human energy, and it can be harnessed and rechanneled to accomplish amazing things. 
most people express it physically and they don't ever figure out. So this is what, but what, what I've done over the last 10 years, I've accomplished so much more over the last 10 years than I've accomplished in the 38 before that. And it was because I harnessed that sexual energy and I had to do something with it. So I've written books and started a nonprofit and just did all these crazy things that I'm like, I don't even, I can barely type. And I've written books. Like, I'm seriously, I type like this. One yeah, thing, you know, like, yeah, totally. And, and I'm, because I'm, I, I'm convinced it's because of sex transmutation. So the, the way it was always supposed to be, if you go back to Adam and Eve, it wasn't supposed to be like, uh, you know, Adam was created. A lot of people think Eve was created at the same time. She wasn't. Eve came along later. Adam got a job. The first thing he got was a job. God said, name the animals, take care of the garden. And then Eve came along and his first words were what? When he saw her, finally. He said, finally. So he had been working a while. So as a man, you you purpose before person, figure out what the hell you're here for first and then find your woman. Because number one, if you're, if your purpose is to travel the world and you meet a girl and she's got kids or she, her dream isn't to leave the country and you choose her, you're going to have a hard time accomplishing your purpose with that person. But if you don't even know what your purpose is and you pull somebody in you're, you're not going to land on it. And then you're going to be one of these people that gets into video games or, or watching football or whatever it is to escape the reality because you feel the pain, that gnawing sense that you were supposed to do something and you can't figure out what it is. Hmm. And that's what happens to most people. Instead of harness that sexual energy, figure out why you're here, and then wait to have sex so you choose the right person. You're thinking with a clear head. You see the red flags. You're asking yourself the hard questions on the front end before drifting into something complicated with the wrong person. And that's yeah. why waiting works. That's so good, man. That's so good. Um, I want to get into the whole boredom thing because obviously it's led to the city fam and everything you've started now. But just before we get there, I, I'm just curious, like how hard was it to change some of these patterns? Can, you have to do it twice, right? Yeah. Um, can you talk us through that a little bit? Because you're talking to some guys here who are struggling with the, maybe the same things or pornography and um, these are hard things to change. So what was that like? It's super, super difficult. The hardest thing I've ever done was, uh, you know, changing specifically not having sex i think it was probably the hardest thing i've ever done because it really is like a drug and it felt like almost like detox where it was just a roller coaster of emotions when i first started i you know I, i'd maybe go and i i believe that uh masturbation and pornography is is sin and i i knew what god said about that in the bible and i was really um committed to doing my best with it you know and being sexually pure but yet like every week or two i it would come on me almost like OCD where I would think I'd kind of have a thought like I, you know, wanted to look at porn and then I would dismiss it and then it would come back. I'd dismiss it and then it would come back and then come back and it would come back so freak to the point where I ha almost had to look. Yeah. And that happened probably the first year or two. And um, one thing that worked for me well, well, I, you know, accountability is great, but I did uh, sign a covenant with God a few times where as I was getting clear or really um, committed to sexual purity, God really started to reveal my purpose to me. And that was the beauty of it. And I think that people don't, there's plenty of biblical evidence that um, relates obedience to blessing. So all, all I know is as I was being walking this out in my own life, God started showing me things that I was to do with my life, really, really things that were deeply meaningful to me. And but they were so far beyond my ability to do them, whether it was just out of my, you know, I didn't have the money or the intelligence or the experience. So I was like heavily uh, incentivized to be uh, obedient to him because I wanted his help. 
So I signed covenants with God where I like, God, I'm not going to look lustfully at a woman for this period of time, one week, three weeks. I think I've been up to six months. And I'm like, God, you know what? I'm weak in this area. I need your help. If I, but, and if I, but if I keep this promise to you, I ask that you bless me greatly and open doors for me that no man can shut. And if I don't keep it, I ask that you punish me severely and fight against me with the sword of your mouth, Jesus. And then you sign it and date it. And it's super scary because you're like, you just ask God to punish you if you break it. And so there were nights where I know that I would have jerked off or looked at porn because it was like a drug to me. When I got depressed, sometimes it was my escape. And I signed that covenant. And sometimes I'd go to bed really depressed because... I knew that I was afraid of getting punished. And I also, it was like the gas in the break. I wanted the blessing. I feared the punishment, but then I'd wake up the next day and I was like, man, I felt like, like a champion, right? Cause I, I was victorious and I was like, yes, I did it. You know, and that's always the way it is right later. So, but it, it's still not easy, man. I, I won't lie to you. You know, there's still times where I might go a month and then I'll get, it could be any one of things that trigger. It could be Horniness, it could be depression, it could be frustration where I'm just like want to shake my fist at God and be like, what the F, dude? Like, how long has it been? You know, yeah. and I just feel something. So it could be any of those things trigger, but I, you know, so I might, I may go a month or two and, you know, I rarely look at porn because I feel like it's poison. And I feel like I poison myself after or I really, you know, feel bad at like something physically I feel bad about. Uh, and then there's lots of studies about that. You know what it does to your brain with all the uh, the dopamine receptors, I think. And you probably know more than me on this. But but even masturbation, I try not to do it because again, a thought leads to an action, action leads to a habit, habit leads to a destiny. So I yeah. I try, but even to this day, it's still not easy. Yeah, no, I appreciate your honesty, and I I think most guys can relate to that reality. Um, and especially you know, like your history is just wild. You know, so to think you've made this much progress is. Um, it's amazing, man. I think only God could have done it. Um, just in the few minutes we have left here, I want you to talk about the city fam because you didn't just start a not for profit, um, for the hell of it. Uh, you did it for a really good reason. And you kind of touched on it earlier about how, um, it would have been easy to fall into that trap of dating out of boredom. And I honestly think boredom is one of the main things that drives my guys to do all kinds of terrible things. Um, and, you know, John Eldridge talks about how like, every man needs an adventure. Like when, we're, when we don't have an adventure or like you said, like sexual transmutation, transferring that energy into something. Um, yeah, we just our minds go crazy and we make poor decisions. So tell us a little bit about the city fam and, and kind of its origins and then what you guys are up to now. Yeah, absolutely. So the first six years, like I mentioned, I, I kind of was just waiting for God to give me a wife. And I saw a lot of movies. I worked, uh, I worked managed the gym. So I worked a full time job and I just kind of like, you know. Try not to sin. That was my whole strategy. Try not to sin. Surely God will give you a wife if you don't sin long enough. And he didn't. And I backslid because I went, I went back to the bars because I needed to be around people. And again, church people, I didn't really relate to them all that well. And then they weren't doing a whole lot anyway. So, mm. you know, being in that culture of the bar, I just started picking up my bad habits. And that's when I, I, everything started to spiral down. So after making a mess of things, I rededicated in 2010, I think it was. And, and then for about a year, I went through the exact same period where I was staying in every night, red, red, red box movies. And I was like, I couldn't even have a girl in my house because I was like, I, I was afraid of what we'd have sex. <laughs> so I'm like sitting around every night by myself. And I'm like, this is not a long term strategy anymore. So I'm like, I got to figure this out. So I had been a promoter. So I knew how to put events together. And I had some friends from church that were going through the exact same things I was. And they were just bored and lonely. 
And uh, so I started organizing social events kind of to give myself something to look forward to. But also I was I was trying to help them out. And then additionally, on top of both of those things, I had my old friends that were struggling now because here here was 10 years since I became a Christian. And for that 10 years, I, I was I'm an evangelist by nature. And I was trying to get them to come to church with me because I wanted them to meet Jesus. But I want to be in heaven when I'm there. So they would not come, though. They wouldn't come to church. They had preconceived notions about what it was about or maybe I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want my life. I probably was that because the way I was living was not uh, that attractive. So I started organizing these social events. I got my friends from church to come there. That, and I often have to say the, my friends from church that love Jesus, that were normal. Because, you know, because sometimes people, like, they get weird, right? When they love Jesus. But these guys were normal and they started coming to events. We could be like see live music or whatever, you know, go to a sporting event. And then I'd invite my old friends and they would come out. And then I would start to see them get their shit together. They'd start mm. like stop drinking so much or using drugs or whatever. And next, a lot of times I'd see them meet Jesus. They'd end up coming to church and then their whole life would change. And it was, so I was like, wow, this is interesting. This is what I've been trying to do. So then we started doing volunteer events in between the social events where we started just kind of going out to the community and giving back to work law causes. And I saw more people's lives changing. And I thought, well, this is a really interesting way of, um, of helping people. Number one, it was giving me something to do. It was giving me a social life, but it was making it very intentional because uh, I was seeing people's lives change through the power of healthy community. And uh, over time, it ended up growing into what we call City Fam now. And um, I've had people reach out from all over the world about starting chapters. So we're really in the process of, of putting a, together a turnkey system to allow them to do that. We believe that there needs to be one of these in every nook and cranny of the world because like you said, it, 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 boredom is a recipe for disaster. I believe the opioid epidemic could be solved if you gave people things to do. Like, yeah. you know, you can't just tell them not to, not to do drugs, you know, or, or, or don't have sex or whatever they tell you as a single at church. They, they kind of hang the older singles out to dry. They, they basically are like, okay, uh, you know, don't make bad decisions. We'll see you next Sunday. Good luck. <laughs> like, I mean, that's kind of what it's like. It's like, man, it's terrible. So we want to we want to fix all that. Even though City Fam isn't faith based uh, technically and by design, uh, we do see a lot of people um, meet Jesus through it and ultimately just change their whole lives. So uh, that's what I'm, I'm I'm most passionate about is that. Yeah, it's brilliant, man. All every time I see you posting on Insta, it's about something City Fam is up to. I can tell you're really passionate about it. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I don't know. Man. I don't know how I would stay on the path without it, man, because it's it's so hard to do what, everything that we're talking about. That if you don't have like a group of people to just do life with, to look things to look forward to that, you, you know, a group of people, but also people that you would let down if you screwed up. Mm. That's a big part of it, too, because I know if I was to go out and have sex with somebody, which I'm still tempted to do. I know I'd let everybody down and I want to create that, you know, for other people, it creates that culture where it's like, hey, this is this is our normal. You know, this is what it's not like I'm the one guy trying to go in this direction while the whole world's going in this direction. That's a pretty hard line to maintain. But if you have a group of people around you that are all at least attempting to live a certain way and are still fun yeah. and relatable, it, it definitely becomes a lot easier. It's amazing, man. So maybe just one last question you, you could answer is for those guys who are in that place, maybe they're bored or maybe they're rife with some sort of addiction or they're sleeping around and they're kind of getting the messages and maybe they want to make a step in that direction. Where Where's the starting point? Um, you know, for people who live outside of where you are and don't have the city fam to go to, what, what's a good place for them to get started? What do you recommend? Well, yeah, well, first off, um, 
go to city fan, go to the Facebook group, uh, city fan Facebook group and join it. And there, we, we do have a system for you to get started. It starts with just a small group. It actually starts with the truth about sex small group, which is the study guide that I put together to go with the book because, uh, I realized it's not enough to convince people that this is the right way. We have to set them up for success. And that means getting them into a group of people that are doing life together, social and service events, because again, then your weekend, your weekend start filling up your calendar and then it doesn't become so lonely. Um, but I think the very first thing that you got to do is you got to know why you're doing it because it is super difficult. So if you don't have a clear mental picture of what your life could be like, that's when it all started for me when I rededicated was because um, I started meeting with a life coach and she asked me some really hard questions about like, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. And, and based off my answer, she put together a vision statement. When she read it to me, she said, close your eyes. She read it to me. And it was like the most perfect life for Rob because I had answered the questions. And, she, and she's, I said, if I could, if I even have a chance of having that life, I will change anything. And wow. she said, she said, you can have it. You just got to work for it. And, and I, from that moment, I just, I, I, I was having sex with my, my girlfriend at the time. She was an ex stripper, terrible relationship. I cut off the sex with her. I said, look, I'm not sure if we're in love. I think here's how we're going to find out. We're going to stop having sex. And I said, if we become convinced we're in love, let's get married. But if okay. we become convinced we're not in love, let's stop wasting each other's time. We cut off the sex three weeks, clouds parted, we broke up. And I just took all that sexual energy, all that, all that energy that I was just wasting on the wrong people. And I just put it back into myself and just really started reading books and exercise. I just became the best version of myself. And that's what you got to do. Is, but first, you got to know why. What does it look like? What does your life look like in three to five years if everything goes exactly the way you want it? Because I think a lot enough people start, they don't begin with the end in mind. We're just out kind of doing what we want. It's fun in the moment. You're like, I don't know if it's what I want most. It's, she's hot. you know. That, but next thing you know, that road takes you somewhere. So you have to think like, where do you want to be? Maybe you want family. Maybe you want kids. What's your career look like? How are you spending your days? You know, are, are you active in your community, your church? Like start thinking about that. Get real clear on it. Put it into the form of a vision statement. Read it every day. I, I read mine into my my voice memo and my phone. I listen to it on my drive to work every day. It constantly brings me back, which help, allows you to stay focused on what you really want because it's so easy to get distracted by whatever. And uh, that's really what's done it for me. That's amazing. Amazing. Rob, thank you so much for sharing. We'll make sure we put links to all this stuff in the show notes, but uh, you're an inspiration, man. And the city fan just sounds incredible. Thanks for all the work you're doing, man. Dude, when you're ready to get it started in Toronto, man, I'd love to show you how to do it. It'd be awesome. And then anybody wants to pick up a copy of my book, they can go to whywaitingworks.com. They can get a free copy. They just have to pay for shipping and handling. So Perfect. Amazing. Rob, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Sophia. Well, there you have it. That was my interview with Rob Kowalski. I told you his story is crazy. And, um, you know, I just, I really appreciated his honesty. I think one of the challenging parts about being in this kind of space where you're helping people with abstinence or sexual integrity or freedom from addiction or, you know, whatever it is, um, it pretty much instantly puts this pressure on you to, to obviously keep that standard and uphold a certain degree of, um, you know, integrity and whatever else it might be. And um, I just appreciated Rob's transparency. Uh, but he's obviously very, like, very practical, very experienced in this area and uh, just a lot of w wisdom to offer. So um, 
Yeah, and you know, uh, he, he saw something in me, which was just hilarious. That I've never heard anybody tell me that, uh, that um, they think I could, <laughs> I could make it as a stripper. That was hilarious. So he has, uh, he's a funny guy, but uh, doing great work. So look, if there's one thing I can encourage you to do, go check out the City Fam because you heard about the origins of that organization. Um, this is not just some like, I don't know, some social club party hangout place. Um, these guys are really doing incredible things. And more importantly, they're doing it for an incredible purpose. And I just know you'll be blessed by it. So go check them out. Um, but thanks so much for listening, guys. And if you're looking to get uh, more insights, uh, maybe more guidance, more direction on your own recovery out of sexual addiction, out of porn addiction, out of any kind of sexual misbehavior, go to uh, ultimaterecoveryguide.com. And uh, that's it's a free handbook. Uh, we don't charge anything. And that's going to give you some of the best strategies, some of the best tips and insights to begin your journey to recovery right now. So uh, you can do that, ultimaterecoveryguide.com. And of course, you can always find out more about this podcast, about our weekly newsletter, and about some of our coaching practices at sathiasam.com. All the links are in the show notes. Love you guys lots. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.